Those of us who were born in harsh places have a special love for these sorts of gospel stories. I know I do. We are part of the land in a way that perhaps others are not, perhaps, mainly because I think it takes a different sort of person to love the wilderness. Now, over the course of my tenure here, I've spoken to St. Michaelites many, many times who were born in the desert or on the very margins of it. And if you come from that sort of an environment, there is an ethereal beauty that only comes with the desert. Now, you may know that a few years ago, Nora Lynn and I went out to Fort Davis by way of those famous Texas towns, Marfa, Alpine, Odessa, Midland, and I come from the edges of the desert in Oklahoma, but Norlin, my wife, she is a completely socialized Midwesterner. And even though I had traveled out west before many, many times, we both were caught with the beauty of West Texas. The vistas are uncluttered and the mountains look so close, even though they're miles and miles away. The distances are so vast that things appear closer than they really are. And so when we finally made it to Fort Davis, we went directly to the observatory out there and began to look up at that starry night, so crisp, so clear. We got a chance to see the planets, Jupiter, Saturn, even Neptune, strike one fairly dumb and you see them. And if you've been out there, you know that the Milky Way is just striking. The trip was fantastic on every level, and I was able to see God and his handiwork almost at every turn. But then I had protection, and I had provisions full tank of gasoline, air conditioner, plenty of food and water. Now anyone living near the desert knows the amazing and astounding beauty of it, but also those of us who live around the desert know the clear and present dangers held within it. I hope none of us have been stranded on a West Texas road without water or gasoline. And I really hope nobody has run out of water backpacking out there. What once was welcoming and beautiful all of a sudden turns hard and predatory. The area around the Jordan where Jesus went in our gospel is called, biblically, the wilderness. Now we cannot know what that must have been like for Jesus to be pushed out into that vast wasteland by the Spirit. Friends talk about this area as a place where centuries of scars can still be seen. 
We can turn to the scriptures to get a description of what Jesus faced, the rocks, the dirt, precious little vegetation only found in the shiny corners of deep ravines, miles and miles of this undulating, desolate land. In Psalm 63, King David describes this area as dry and a weary land without water. And Jesus is pushed out into this desolate place for the 40 days as told in Scripture. And can you imagine what that must have been like? It is amazing how this sort of land can turn from inspirational to something that can easily take your life. We understand the desert, the physical desert, and also those deserts of our own lives, our own interior lives that seem so hard and unforgiving. It all sounds so perfunctory as we read about Jesus on the page, tempted by Satan while being ministered to by angels. I don't know about you, but it rarely feels like that when I'm in my desert, the place where it feels God-forsaken. When aspects of our lives we love so much and have spent so much effort creating and maintaining, when these aspects of our lives crumble, just like in the desert, what we love and desire most from ourselves and for our families begins to wither. These are the deserts of our lives. Now, if this sounds uncomfortable, it, it's meant to be. This season of Lent was created by the church to focus the faithful on what it might be like to treat those elements of our lives that give us so much comfort, that we put so much faith in, that we replace God with to treat those elements as the dust they actually are. And let's be clear, there are many of us who replace God with religion. In so many ways, our own Lenten journey follows that of our Lord. It's an opportunity to engage our own desert. And when we are there, we, like Jesus, really only have God's declaration that you are my daughter, you are my son, and with you I am pleased. You see, once we're over our perceived desire of things earthly, we can once again begin to entrust ourselves to the word of God no matter what comes our way. No matter how low we are cut, we have something in Christ Jesus that only fades 
when our attention is drawn away from it. Think about that. What we have been talking about is the Lenten journey, discerning what actually is real for us and what is not. Trying to get underneath the surface and look at how we sin against others in our pursuit of this transient element in our lives. Things that mean absolutely nothing after we pass our time on earth. Six months after we are in the grave, Roughly 80% of everything that we own, the things, are in the city dump. Think about that. The things that we strived for. The things we thought so important. Tossed after we are gone. Learning to have less confidence in the things we have created in our own image and with our own will, ever endeavoring to rest in the faith and hope of God in Christ Jesus. And I offer to you that this is what it takes to survive the desert. This Lent, we are invited to take this desert journey with the Lord. It's uncomfortable. It should be. It is a journey that seeks granularity and substance, patience, and an unfettered desire for God. We are invited to take this desert road with our Lord and prepare our hearts to be astounded at the simple joy and wonder that comes from truly relying on the Lord for our daily bread. After everything extraneous is cleared from our lives. You see, this is the desert journey. And when we are there, when we have cleared away things that matter nothing, that will turn to dust, what we have is this amazing communication with God and Christ Jesus. This is the Lenten journey. This is where power and strength, true power, true strength, come. It comes from the Lord and us seeking the Lord.